0: Welcome to First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia. As we approach Thanksgiving this week, we pray that this service will be a set point for you and will help you to lift your heart to God. Welcome. Our call to worship this morning is Psalm 100. Let us read responsively. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into God's presence with singing. Know that the Lord who made us is God. We are the Lord's, we are the people of God, the sheep of God's pasture. Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and God's courts with praise. Give thanks and bless God's name. For the Lord is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. God's faithfulness to all generations. Our hearts and our voices in the opening prayer O Lord our God who supplies us with countless blessings lift up our hearts in gratitude and thanksgiving help us to remember the gifts we seldom notice the abundance we take for granted the rich possibilities you provide for our daily bread for water that is pure for houses to live in and friends to enjoy we give you humble thanks For beauty and fruitfulness, for healing and hope, for the comfort of your presence, we lift our voices in joyful praise, now and always. Amen. Good morning. I'd like to ask for the attention of the children for the children's sermon. As you know, Thanksgiving is coming up this week. It's a time when we gather usually with our immediate family and sometimes with our extended families for a meal a meal that typically includes turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes and green beans it's usually quite a feast and it usually finishes with a wonderful dessert of pumpkin pie or apple pie Did you know that in the bible we have a book in the old testament called the book of psalms there are 150 psalms or songs that uh, talk about people's relationship with god and many 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 of the psalms are psalms of thanksgiving thanksgiving is a, a spiritually important thing to do giving thanks for other people reminds us that we can't do everything by ourselves. We really depend on other people. And giving thanks to God is a reminder to us that we are completely dependent on God and that God makes everything and blesses us every single day. So I like the fact that we have Thanksgiving once a year, a time to intentionally focus on giving thanks. But giving thanks is really something that we can do all year long, every single day. And the more grateful we are and the more the more we give thanks, the more we notice things to be thankful for. It kind of changes our hearts. It opens our hearts a little bit. Now, in many families, the the time of day when we give thanks most often, I think, is at mealtimes when we say grace. Grace is all about saying thanks. Thanks to the people who grew our food and made our food and uh, put everything on the supermarket shelves and, um, and uh, it's also a time to thank God for, for food and for all of our blessings. When I was growing up we said the same exact grace every single night. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. Every single night, that was our grace. I guess my parents taught it to us when we were really little, and it just kind of stuck. A lot of families sing their grace. For example, they sing the Johnny Appleseed song. I'm not a good singer, but I will sing it to you. Oh, the Lord's been good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the apple see the Lord's been good to me. Amen. Now, in my last church at Cherrydale United Methodist Church, where I, I served before moving to First Church, I learned a new grace that the youth group used to do, and it goes to the tune of the Superman theme song. And it's harder to sing. So Joe Gardner is in the house, and we are going to sing it together. I I hope that you will like this one, and we'll use it sometimes too. Thank you, God, God, for giving us food. food.
1: Thank Thank you, God,
0: God, for giving us food. For For daily bread, The things you said. Thank you, God, for giving us food. food. However you give thanks, just remember to do it. That's the most important thing at Thanksgiving and every single day. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving, and I look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Let us prepare our hearts and minds to receive the scripture. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, teacher of our souls, Enlighten us with your wisdom, encourage us through your words, and empower us to do your will so that we are ready to go into the world with your words of mercy on our lips, your way of peace to guide our feet, and your work of justice in our hands. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning is found in the 25th chapter of Matthew's gospel, beginning with the 31st verse. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then he will say to those at his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty? or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you. Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. We celebrated World Communion Sunday on the first Sunday of October. World Communion Sunday or Worldwide Communion as it used to be known is, I've always thought, one of our better ideas. The idea which grew out of the brokenness of the human community before and during World War II was that on the first Sunday of October Christians all over the world would come to the table of our Lord and celebrate together to celebrate his love for the world and therefore our unity grounded in that love which transcends the barriers of nation race and ideology the church is diverse and thus offers a witness of christian unity john wesley the founder of methodism said to think and let think and taught people about christian conferencing or discussing their differences with love and with respect. We disagree on many things and we always have. I know few United Methodist laity or clergy who agree 100 percent with the Book of Discipline or the Book of Resolutions. The United Methodist Church for example is opposed to drinking alcoholic beverages but most United Methodists do. The United Methodist Church is vehemently opposed to gambling, but a lot of United Methodists buy lottery tickets. The United Methodist Church is opposed to capital punishment, but many people in its pews are not. We disagree on many issues, and we always have, and it hasn't torn us apart. One time, I was in Barnes & Noble with my best friend, who at the time was on the command staff of the Charlottesville Police Department. He was often sought out by younger police officers who needed help navigating some of the more treacherous waters of police work, some of them on the street, but some of them political and internal to the department. Ronnie moonlighted at Barnes & Noble while he was putting his sons through college, and I was there one night when an officer came to talk to him. The officer was absolutely livid about some decision his sergeant had made, a decision he thought made the life of officers on patrol more difficult somehow. I don't remember the details of the conversation, but what I do remember is that my friend listened. He was the best listener. And over the course of the conversation, he steered the conversation toward why this other officer had become a police officer, which caused the officer who had come to see him to to really start thinking about the quarry from which he was mined. The more he connected with his passion for the vocation, especially when he was deciding on the direction of his life, the less important the ill-conceived decision by his sergeant became. He left the bookstore whistling. There's a lot of anxious emotional energy in our denomination right now for both laity and clergy. I pray for unity, and that's really all I can do with my emotional energy. And so in that regard, World Communion Sunday feels really important to me. And that is because World Communion Sunday is underscored by an alternative vision to schism and divisiveness and factionalism. This alternative vision has nothing to do with military power, economic power, or market power. It has something far better and in the long run more powerful. It has the power of human love and the power of God's love. This alternative vision comes out of the tradition shared by Islam, Judaism, and Christianity Namely, that the one creator God has created one human race in God's own image, and so all are children of one God and therefore kin to one another. It is so simple and yet so stunning how good and pleasant it is when kinfolk dwell in unity, the psalmist wrote. I urge us this morning to try to hear the radical words of Jesus for the first time. Master, when did we see you hungry and feed you, naked and clothed you, in prison and visit you? And then Jesus' words, whenever you did it to the least of these my family, you did it to me. It was that, it was the radical morality of Jesus and the power of love that the ancient world found so startling. Christians believed in a God who loves all human beings, all of them, not just believers, but all. This was a new and revolutionary idea, and so was its corollary, namely that it is of the highest and holiest moral imperative for human beings to reflect that divine love by the way that they treat one another. If you read the second chapter of Acts, you will see that the distinctiveness of the Christian community from the very beginning disclosed an alternative vision of how to be together. In the first Christian community, they shared everything, with no one having too much and no one having too little. More shocking was that they cared for one another, even when that meant assuming dangerous consequences for doing so. Risk-taking love, it really shocked the world around them. In Rome, whenever an unwanted child was born, or when a male was wanted and a baby girl was born instead, It was common practice to simply abandon the child to die from exposure or worse. The first Christians stunned their neighbors by gathering up the unwanted babies. Later, centuries later, when the plague appeared, the only thing anybody could think of to do was to run away. But the Christians stunned their neighbors by by doing what Jesus told them to do. They stayed and they ministered to the sick and the dying, risking their own health. Slave laborers, often often prisoners of war, were kept in miserable prison camps, jeered at, tormented, often persecuted by the populace. And the first Christians stunned their neighbors by doing what Jesus told them to do, visiting the prisoners and taking them water and food. That's really what convinced the ancient world that Christianity was true. One of our earliest theologians, Tertullian, in the second century wrote, What marks us in the eyes of our enemies is our practice of loving kindness. Only look, they say, how they love one another. Churches, communities of faith like this one, are in charge of keeping God's alternative vision alive. We just finished Charge Conference, which... Each year involves writing a narrative report about the work of the congregation over the previous year. In a sense, it is about how we keep that alternative vision alive. It details mission endeavors, for instance, which this year included the clothes closet, which provides clothes for children, youth, and adults. It involves school supplies being collected for Albert Harris Elementary School. We participated in feeding 112 food insecure children at three elementary schools through feeding the children. Food is provided to children to bring home over various holidays, 33 holidays, uh, per school year. We also participated in Back to School, which provides shoes and other school supplies, and a program called Reach Out and Read, a literacy program in which children are given books. We are providing space for the ELC's school-age children for virtual learning and partnering with the Boys and Girls Club to do the same in our ministry center. Jill Gardner records Auntie Jill's Neighborhood for the children, delivered backpacks with devotional materials, kazoos, and flags to children this summer, and hosts a sidewalk chalk event once a month. The food bank provides substantial amounts of food to three to four to sometimes more hundred people every month. We continue to support our missionary covenant partner, Ellen Dubberly, and provided additional support for her during a brief statewa- stateside convalescence following an illness. Henry Forks Service Center, Habitat for Humanity, the Good News Jail and Prison Ministry, the Pregnancy Care Center, and other ministries continue to receive our support in person and financially. Super Bowl Sunday and other events have benefited people near and far. Since the pandemic began, we have not been able to provide a luncheon for families who have lost loved ones, but we have had members bring food to people's houses in times of grief and illness. Lunch Bunch, which provides lunches twice a week, operated until the pandemic hit, and will resume once it's over, thanks to a very dedicated cadre of volunteers. We keep that alternative vision alive through acts of caring for our own faith community too. Casseroles and cards and words of encouragement, praying for each other, teaching and participating in classes, singing in the choir, facilitating fellowship and the renewal of our community in a thousand different ways, some on our official church calendar and so many that are not. How good and pleasant it is when kindred live in unity. It's a vision of the world as God intends it to be. It is a vision of humankind bound together by the love of the one who said, whenever you do it to the least of these, my family members, you do it to me. The same one who invites us to table, all of us, to break bread and share one cup is the one who calls us to remember that we embody an alternative vision. And that alternative vision has been animating us and sustaining us for some 2,000 years. A bold vision, one that is powered by love, which as one child said, is the only thing that really matters and the only thing that actually changes anything. And now, let us pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom Our benediction this morning is a little unusual. It is a benediction in dance, a dance anthem that was done by the dance choir at the Church of God of Prophecy in Eden, North Carolina, featuring our own Karen Turney and her daughter Elizabeth Herod. We have chosen in this service to focus on the theme of Thanksgiving. But today is also another special day. It's Christ the King Sunday, or the very last Sunday of the Christian year. And this contemporary Christian song to which they dance underscores the theme of Christ the King Sunday.
1: Angels all around. My delight is found do fit us in knowing that you wear the victor's crown. You're my